0: Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning. Welcome. Great to have you all in church today. Uh, If you are new or visiting, uh, my name is Jason. I'm the campus pastor here. Everyone who comes through those doors, uh, is welcome. Hey, as uh, Jess mentioned just a minute or two ago, uh, we have reached the final week of our No One Is Beyond series, and today is Commitment Sunday. You know we've been uh, celebrating all that God has done, and will continue to do through this church, into our community, our nation, and our world. And uh, we've been reminded of the fact that no one is beyond God's heart. No one is beyond God's power to save. And and today. We all have an opportunity to make a commitment to the work that we are doing in our community, our nation, and our world for the next 12 months. And if you are new here or visiting, I just want to let you know that um, we don't talk about money all the time. Alright, I know what it's like when you're new, you think, oh, you know, I wonder what this church is like, and then the pastor gets up and he starts talking about money and asking you to give and so on. Uh, We do believe in generosity, we do believe in giving to support the ministry and mission, but you've come on a very special day for us where we follow God's heart and where we obey his prompting on our heart to give generously to the work that we are doing both here and overseas as well. So that's just a bit of context For those of you who may be new or visiting, uh, but we are excited about today. Uh, Please understand that because today is an opportunity to really see the work that we are doing around the place continue and expand for the next 12 months. And I don't know about you, but like Big Kev says, I'm excited. I'm excited about what God's going to do in our hearts and through our church uh, into a nation and a world that desperately needs Jesus. So, Uh, Before I dive in, let me pray, and then we will continue on this morning. Father God, we want to thank you this morning for the truth that no one is beyond your reach. God, for those of us who sit here in this auditorium that are recipients of your grace, that have placed faith in Jesus and in his ministry for the forgiveness of our sin God, we say thank you for the people that you have raised up. Thank you for the people that have been generous so that the gospel, the good news of Jesus can reach us and can make a difference in our lives and can make an an impact in our lives, God. Today we say thank you for the way that you have impacted people to go with the life-changing message of Jesus. And this morning, God, as we open up your word, and as we land this series called No One is Beyond, Father, we pray that you would stir up within us an increased faith in what you're doing and in what you are going to do for the next 12 months and even beyond. And God, as we, uh, as we read your word and as we remember some stories, God, we ask that you would prepare our hearts to give generously so that more people in more places can hear about Jesus. Father, help me, just a simple bloke, to preach your word in truth. And God, I pray that it finds good soil in our hearts this morning. And as always, I pray in and through the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, yeah. Uh, I want to begin by asking you all a very simple question, and it's this. Who has made a difference or an impact in your life? Who has made a difference and an impact in your life? As you think about what they said, or maybe what they didn't say, or what they did, or maybe what they didn't do, and the difference that it made and how it helped you discover your place in God's plan, your place in God's purpose... I just want you to reflect on those people and celebrate who God has strategically placed in your life at the right time to make a difference, to have an impact, so you can discover more about him and more about his plan for you. Just give some thought to the people who have made a difference or an impact in your life. And as you do, I expect my name to be right at the top of that list. And uh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But as you do, I really want you to to allow that to feed and fuel your faith today. And what we're about to do, because without the help of others, without the support of others, without the, the ministry and partnership that others offer to us, I wonder how much we can achieve in Jesus' name. Think about those who have made a difference and an impact in your life. You know, for me, as most of you know, uh, I was a very complicated young man many, many moons ago. You know, I came through a tough childhood. My parents uh, separated and eventually divorced at one point in time, and I struggled with that greatly. And uh, because of that, I started to display some behavioral problems I then moved into an issue with various substances. I became homeless, couch surfing from from couch to couch, Uh, and I was in a very difficult place and I had some challenges that really needed uh, the work of God. In fact, those who knew me back then probably thought that I was beyond the grace of God, that I was beyond God's heart, God's hope, and God's power to save You know, as I reflect on that very question, who has made an impact in my life? Now, a bunch of people come to mind, and these people helped me find or discover Jesus and His plan and purpose for my life. They made a huge difference to me. You know, when I was a young man, roughly in my uh, you know late teens, early twenties, there was a wonderful lady, a dear friend to my mother and I, and her name was Joe. And uh, Joe ministered to me in very, very Practical ways. You know, I was, I was at the height of my substance use disorder. I was homeless. I had very little money. I was unemployed. Uh, but Joe and her husband, Matt, who you can see on the screen, uh, they, they opened their home to me. You know, in the late 90s, they uh, let me move in. They had just gotten married as well. So imagine that. Newlyweds. They didn't have a big house, but they still allowed me to move in and, uh, and, and minister to me. And they were great because they helped me work through my substance use disorder. They helped me get over some of the challenges that I had. But more importantly, because they were followers of Jesus, you know, they helped me to, to focus on him and to be in church and to go to Bible studies and things like that. They were instrumental in me coming to faith and discovering God's plan and purpose for my life. You know, when I started going to their church... I met another bloke by the name of John Fulton. Now, John, man, he he had a huge impact on my life. He made a massive difference. Uh, John was the youth pastor at the church that I went to. Uh, He was a preacher. I was inspired by the way he spoke about Jesus and about his relationship with Jesus. And in fact, uh, I gave my life to Jesus at a youth camp that Jono was both running and leading at the time. And it was a camp up on the Sunshine Coast, a powerful experience for me. I just became overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and convicted of my sin. And I remember the last night of camp, going up to the altar and falling on my knees and giving my life to Jesus and and crying all over the place and dropping sweat and boogers all over the floor. It was a wonderful night of experiencing the presence of God. But then the next day when camp, you know, came to a close and we were all getting in our cars and ready to head home, Jono pulls me aside and he says to me, he says, Jace, I'm excited for you, mate. I'm excited for you. He goes, I believe God's got big plans for you. And then he said these words and I'll never forget them. He said, Jace, you could easily do what I do. You could easily do what I do. And by that, he meant be a a pastor and a preacher. But then after discovering that he was actually sober when he said those words, I decided to pursue that call to ministry. I decided to look into this whole, you know, what is God's plan for my life? How is he gonna use me to impact the lives of other people, communities, cities, maybe even the world? So I thought, yep, I'm going in that direction. Soon after that, I enrolled at theological college, which I absolutely loved, absolutely loved. I know that's a hard thing for some people to hear and some may be surprised by that. I can't even read, let alone I love going to theological college. I can read, don't worry about that, don't worry about that. But I enjoyed learning more about God, I enjoyed studying the Bible, understanding what ministry Uh, Is all about. It really fueled my faith and I was having a great time. God was confirming some things in my life about His call and how I would make an impact in my community, my city, my nation, or even the world. Yet halfway through theological college, I had to pull out. Well, at least I thought so. Once again, I had hit financial problems. And uh, we were coming to the end of semester one, and I had made a decision that I was going to pull out. I couldn't carry on in semester two, and uh, it was going to be... Uh, what am I doing folding my arms while I'm preaching? That's not a good look. Listen to me, church. Uh, I got to the end of semester one, and uh, that, was, that was my thinking. And anyway, the last week of semester one, we had a, uh, a week-long intensive, and a guy by the name of Dr. Bob Woodruff from the United States of America came over as the lecturer for this intensive in cross-cultural ministry. And anyway, we got to the end of the week, end of the intensive, end of the semester, and I thought that was going to be it for me. Bible college is over, I have to go and get a job, make some money and look after myself. But anyway, at the end of that last session, on the last week of the last day in semester one, Dr. Bob pulls me aside, or he asked me to stay behind after class, right? And, and in the past, that, that, that didn't result in good things. You know, like that was either a, you know, picking up litter or detention or something like that. So I was a bit nervous. But uh, Dr. Bob asked me to stay behind, and then when all the other students left, he sat me down, and then he said to me, he's like, "Jace, it's been great getting to know you this week. He goes, I'm excited for your future. People kept saying this to me for some reason. I'm excited about your future, and, uh, and I believe God's got big things in store for you. And uh, before I leave, I want to make a contribution to your education and to your ministry. And then he gave me a check. And the check paid for the following term in full. In full. And even right now, even right now, I get a little a little something-something go on in my heart when I think about that experience and that encounter because it impacted me greatly. It impacted me greatly. I became very emotional. I cried. I shared a little bit with Dr. Bob about what I'd been going through and how I was going to pull out of college and all of that. It was a very memorable occasion for me. God bless Joe Jono and Dr. Bob for the impact and the difference that they made in my life and how they've helped me discover God's call and plan for my life and now for in this city but you know what there's one other person who has impacted me more than anyone else anyone else and his name is Darius Boyd I'm just kidding it's not Darius Boyd it's my wife Angela yeah come on put your hands together for my wife You know, my my wife and I—we've uh, been married for. Actually, I'm not going to get into that because I didn't work that math out before I started preaching this morning. We've been married a long time, um, but you know, when uh, Angela was young, when we got married, and from day one, day one, Angela exemplified for me what it meant to be a servant of God. You know, she she illustrated grace. She illustrated faithfulness. She illustrated, as I said, what being a servant of God looks like. She's faithful. She's loyal. She impacted me so much. Back then, even though she was a young lady, still serving God in the various ways that she was. And uh, we started dating, and we eventually fell in love, and the night we decided to get married... Uh, as we were driving along the Gateway Motorway, I think it was, honey, is that right? I think we were coming over the bridge and I leaned over and asked her to marry me. That's the kind of romantic that I am, right? No ring, no, no you know, plane, right, and stuff in the skies or anything like that. But after she thankfully said yes, I then told her to buckle up because I believe God's got plans for our lives and he's going to take us on a wonderful journey, And you know what? Angela knows me more than anyone else, including my parents. She knows every part about me. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm actually not perfect. Okay? I've got my own challenges. I've got my own issues that I need the grace of God for. And Angela knows all of them. And she's continued to remain by my side, supporting me, loving me, encouraging me, And in doing that, along with just who she is as a woman of God, has impacted me greatly. And by the grace of God, we have seen together heaps of people come to faith in Christ. We have seen people healed from sicknesses and diseases. We have seen the broken restored. We have seen a lot of people find their God-given place in his plan and go into ministry both in our community, our nation, and also around the world. By God's grace, he has enabled us to do things and to see things that we may have never seen. But can I say, none of that would have been possible without the support and without the partnership of some people that I mentioned already this morning and together we were able to make an impact on our community. I believe God is using us, all of us now, to make an impact on this city and uh, I reckon there is more to come. Take a minute just to think about the people who have made a difference in your life and who have impacted you and, and, and what has happened as a result of that. You know, today, as I mentioned, is the final week in our No One Is Beyond series. And as I said, for the last four weeks, we've been reminded that no one is beyond the love of God. No one is beyond his heart. No one is beyond his power to save. And today, I want to talk about how there is no city beyond the love, the grace, and the power of God. No city. And that includes this beautiful city here in the Redlands more than 150,000 people, average temperatures of like 26, 27 degrees, when you got points and reserves and beaches all around the place, what a great place we live in, right? This city is awesome. There is no city beyond the reach of God's love and power. And I want to read a few verses from Acts chapter 18. So if you've got your Bibles... Uh, Would you turn with me there to Acts chapter 18? And we're going to quickly read about how the church in Corinth began. And then we're going to look a little bit into the impact that Paul and some of his companions had in that city. And I think there's going to be some things there that will encourage us as we move toward uh, our giving here this morning. So Acts chapter 18 verses 1 to 11, uh, let me read it for you. I might just share a few thoughts about the passage along the way, uh, so I hope you can follow that with me. Verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, who was the emperor of Rome at that time, had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, that was like his trade, his profession, as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. Every Sabbath, Paul reasoned in the synagogue. Synagogue was a place of worship for both Aramaic and Greek speaking Jews, but every Sabbath, Paul reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy, who we heard about last week, came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews, the Greek and Aramaic-speaking Jews, that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, the Messiah means the anointed one of God, the one whom God's people were waiting to come again and to restore things and to usher in a new era, a new age of God's plan of salvation for his people. And then verse 6, "...but when they opposed Paul... That is, the Jews in the synagogue, when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. And as you read that, some of you might think that this is the tipping point for Paul. He snapped. He's had enough. He's like, you're on your own now. But, but he's actually following the instructions that Jesus gave the 72 after sending them out in Luke 10, and it's also mentioned a bit earlier in Acts. But in verse 7, Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who had heard Paul believed and were baptized. And then one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. And in verse 11, so Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. May God add his blessing to both my reading and my iPad. So the spirit of Jesus had been actively leading Paul for some time now. You might remember last week, Pastor Jace on the screen said that the Spirit of Jesus allowed Paul to go to certain locations, but not others. So Paul and his companions have been led by Jesus, and then eventually, Paul and then not long after that, his companions find themselves in the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth is a city that was located and technically still is uh, in the southern central part of Greece. And uh, in ancient Corinth, it was like a, a hub and a thoroughfare for commercial business and for travel and for a whole bunch of different reasons. So people were aware of Corinth. A lot of people had traveled through it for different reasons. And because of this, Corinth became a very diverse city. It became a very affluent city. It was very progressive if I can describe it that way. And, uh, and in fact, if you were to walk around the streets of Corinth, you would discover that there were temples and idols just littered everywhere because people were hedging their bets on who the true God is, on who they should be following, who they should be serving. And in fact, in Corinth, and I think some of you have heard this before, uh, there was a temple devoted to the God of love and sex, and her name was Aphrodite. And this temple was managed and worked by hundreds, maybe even thousands of prostitutes. And they would do prostitute things as an act of worship. So Corinth developed this reputation of being a city with great idolatry, a city of great immorality. It was kind of like, as someone described, the sin city of ancient Europe. Interesting place. And Paul and his companions find themselves in this city. And I don't know about you, but but if I wonder what they thought when they rocked up and they saw all that was going on, they saw the idols, the idolatry, the immorality, the progressive way of things. Maybe there was some weird dressing going on. I'm not quite sure what they would have seen, but imagine what they thought when they rocked up. Now I wonder if there was a part of their thinking that thought, you know what? Man. I think this city is beyond the reach of God. I think this city has no chance of being converted and coming to faith in Christ. Why on earth, Jesus, did you lead us here? But thankfully, we know that's not true. And I reckon they knew that wasn't true as well. So they began to minister and to make a difference in that city. It was an interesting place to be. But then after receiving a vision... And an encouraging plan from the Lord. Paul and his companions end up spending a year and a half there. And then God uses these everyday people to make an impact on the city of Corinth. This impact began with a vision. It was followed with faith. It was conceived in time. And as they say, many hands make light work. God had a vision for Corinth He provided Aquila, Priscilla, and Titius to support Paul and his companions, and an impact was made. What interests me about all of this, my friends? You are my friends, right? Cool. Thank you, Colin. There's one. Anyone else? Any other takers? Thank you. There's two, Michael. I could guarantee you. And that's it. Three. Hands are coming thick and fast now. I like this. What interests me about this, friends, is, is when I think about the culture in the context of Corinth, I'm actually reminded of Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse nine. Have a listen to what it says. It says, "What has been will be again. what has been done will be done again. there is nothing new under the sun." And the reason why I think that is because when I think about the, of, uh, the culture of Corinth, and I think about the culture that we live in here today, there's, there's not much difference. You know what, what has been done before will be done again, there is nothing new under the sun. And I know some of you are thinking, well, what about the iPhone 10 Max? That came out recently. I understand that. Stay with me. Generally speaking, human trends, the way humanity operates, what has happened before, this is happening. Again, there's nothing new under the sun. What we're dealing with today isn't new. It isn't new. It's happened before. And now it's happening again. And if you were to think about it, in today's day and age, Just think about our culture. It's one that still continues to question the existence of a God. It refuses to accept their need of a savior. Affluence is being adored. Individualism and autonomy is being celebrated. Some think that's great because it gives us freedom and so on, but not all freedom is freeing. But in today's day and age, individualism, autonomy, affluence, all of these things are beginning to grow. There's no difference though. It's been going, the cultures are the same. They are the same. And guess what? We here at Gateway believe God is calling us to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. And we believe with all of our heart that no one is beyond God's heart, God's power and God's plan. No city is beyond God's heart, God's power and God's plan. Whether it's Redland City, Brisbane City, this country or the world, we believe no one is beyond those things and God is calling us this day to continue making that difference. You know, our vision, as you know, we've been sharing it for, I was going to say a few weeks, but it's been a lot longer than that. Our vision is, To change lives by following Jesus is to plant more churches, to establish care and counselling centres, and to send people into the far-flung parts of the world, to send people as shining lights in some of the darkest cities in countries around the world. That is our God-given vision. And because of the generosity of Gateway, that's happened, and today we have the opportunity to give so those things can continue. Community, care centres, nation, campuses, and world, global missions. The work is far from finished though, my friends. And today we have an opportunity to do that. But you know what? Man, God's been doing some great things along the way. Let me tell you just a few stories about how the generosity of all of us, how the support of the church, how people like you and I are making an impact in our city, our nation, and our world. You know, last year Gateway celebrated its 90th birthday. Seven years ago, we opened our first campus down at Ormo in the northern part of the Gold Coast. And then last year, we opened our third and fourth campuses. One's called Logan, and the other one is called Redlands. Yeah, boy, that's where we are right now. All right, God has been doing great things through Gateway. And now, across all campuses, there is approximately 2,300 people coming through our doors to be encouraged and to be equipped in the faith across all of our campuses, all of our campuses. Since opening the doors to both Logan and Redlands just over 12 months ago, there have been 100, more than 100, first-time decisions for Christ since then. It is a year of salvation, my friends. People are coming to faith in Christ. We have just over 1,400 kids and youth that are attending our Friday and Sunday programs. And none of this would be possible without the 1,200 volunteers that help us make all of this happen. God is doing something in our church and through the planting of campuses. But you know, out of the 1,200 volunteers, 144 of them... Volunteer in our care and counselling centres located at Mackenzie and Ormo. 144 of them. You know, uh, at our care and counselling centre, our centres, we have 16 mental health professionals who uh, who who met with 2,445, or well, who had 2,445 different appointments last year. And on top of that, on top of that, we've distributed two thousand food parcels in support of forty families who desperately need the hope and healing of Jesus. They are doing a phenomenal work and making a phenomenal difference in our communities. And we look forward to starting our own care center uh, upstairs, early term three, and we're going to continue offering the same thing. Counseling services, our on-track program, our coach program, other things to do with financial support and mental health first aid courses and so on. God is doing great things through our care ministries. But you know, it's not just gateway campuses and gateway care, but it's also gateway global. You know, right now we have 35 beyond workers plus 17 children working in more than 50 countries around the world. Around the world. Countries like Asia and uh, the Middle East and Africa, uh, North and South or North and Central America, uh, the Pacific. Man, we're going beyond. And I just want to remind you that we have our very first mission trip as a campus going with Gateway Logan in November this year. For more information on that, jump on our website. You can apply there as well. Applications close at the end of this month. But it's a great opportunity to get out and to see what God is doing through our Beyond work as well. We have also seen uh, 87 people sent on 11 short-term mission trips, and we have currently 12 people exploring longer-term global missions as well. And today you get to support all of that by buying a wonderful burger from our barbecue stand after the service. A great burger. We've got like gluten-free bread as well for those that are cool and hip with it like myself. Uh, So please make sure you go there, grab that burger. And as you do, you'll be supporting what we are doing globally around the world. But can I say, friends, that even though we've got a call upon our heart, our lives as a church... You know, to go into our community, our nation, and our world with care centers, campuses, and sending global workers out there and so on, none of that would be possible without the vision that God places upon our heart, without the generosity of the church, without the support and the involvement of everybody who makes up Gateway, without the faith that is required in the time, and the time that it does take to get things off the ground. But we believe God is, is still up to stuff. We believe there is more to come. We are expecting more. It might have been last year's vision, but I still think it sounds good. We are expecting more, and you can all play a part in that. Just a quick little story. We've got a, uh, a couple from uh, Gateway Mackenzie, Roger and Monique, who have been doing some amazing work in South Asia. You know, Roger, uh, he uses his experience in business uh, to go into South Asia, I've got to get the terminology of this right because it's a bit tricky, uh, to open social enterprise business opportunities in that area. Uh, his wife, Monique, uses her teaching skills and abilities uh, to also help schools and stuff like that in that area as well. And every year, every year, Roger and Monique will take a team over to South Asia and partner with a, uh, with a local body, a local organization, who work at empowering communities to break the cycle of poverty. They do some great, great work. Anyway, we've been uh, flashing this photo uh, around for this month. And this photo was actually taken uh, in January this year on one of Roger and Monique's trips. And uh, the team, you're going to have a guess which ones belong to Gateway there. Um, But our team members were uh, traveling on the roof of a boat that was packed in full And uh, while they were on the boat, they were just singing and enjoying themselves and reflecting upon all that God had been doing in South Asia and on that trip. And they were just having a great time. Anyway, when the boat got to where it needed to be, as uh, the team and other travellers disembarked, uh, some of the locals who obviously noticed that some foreigners were on board, went up to one of the staff members of the partner organisation that Roger and Monique were working with. And they started to reflect and talk about how the grind of life has robbed their joy and their ability to enjoy some of the simple things in life. And they were quite intrigued and inspired just by a group of young people singing songs on the top of a packed boat cruising around South Asia. Anyway, that conversation that a local had with the staff member of this partner organisation ended up being a very profound conversation for that staff member. And what we found out a couple of weeks after Roger, Monique and the team returned to Australia is that that staff member who had a Muslim background was so impacted by the conversation he had with a local about the joy and so on, that he made a decision to follow Christ and was baptised soon after that. How cool is that? Come on church, how cool is that? But once again, let me just say, that is only possible when people come together, when we pray, when we partner, when we give, so that this life-changing message of Jesus can go out into our community, our nation and our world. Now, as I come in to land this message, and in a minute, I'm gonna give all of you an opportunity to make your commitment to Gateway Beyond for the next 12 months. It can be a one-off or an ongoing for the next 12 months. As I land this message, I wanna share these thoughts with you. Just, 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 just a couple of words. And it's simply this. We can all impact the life. We can't. We can all make a difference in someone's life, right? But this is what I want you to get. Together, we can impact the world. Together, we can impact the world. You know, I think about my involvement in in the world of basketball and footy and all that, which is kind of like my mission field outside of the church. You know, I have the opportunity to impact the life and the beauty of that connection is that I actually get to share the gospel, hopefully, at one point in time. You know If I don't have the opportunity to share that, then I just become like any other social worker or whatever, but I, I can impact a life, right? And you are all a part of something too, where you can impact a life too. And that's great. I'm not, you know I'm not, not trying to undermine that at all. And I don't even know if undermine is a word, but you know what I'm saying. But together. We can impact the world. We can impact the world. As we come to give generously today, no matter how big, no matter how small, that's between you and God. Now, together we actually have the capacity to not only impact a community, but also a city and a nation and a world. We can impact someone's life, but together we can impact a world. Paul and his companions impacted a city that some may have thought was beyond reach. Beyond reach. But with his companions, with the people that God strategically placed there in Corinth, Aquilus, Priscilla, uh, Titius, they were able to have an impact on the city that some may have thought was beyond reach. You know, John fourteen twelve, Jesus reminded his disciples. He says, "Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Together, we can do greater things. That's mind blowing, but we have that opportunity today. In a few minutes, we'll have an opportunity to be a part of making an impact here and all around the world." You we want to continue the planting of campuses with care and counselling centres that continue to support the sending of workers into some of the darkest cities in the world. And we're asking all of us who call Gateway home to make a financial commitment today. You know, in recent years, Gateway has been generous. You know, we have asked all of our campuses to give generously to global missions, to launching Ormo, to the now debt-free dedicated kids and youth center uh, up at McKenzie. And last year we gave generously to Gateway Global and our 90th birthday celebration a staggering $1.18 million. $1.18 million. And that was over and above our regular giving. And this year. We've decided to simplify our giving opportunities into this Commitment Sunday. We as pastors get tired standing on a stage and asking you to give. I'm sure you have giving fatigue along the way. So we've decided to simplify it into one Commitment Sunday. Every Christmas, we'll continue to give to our Gateway Christmas Appeal as a gift for someone else. And then every June, we will have an opportunity to give to Gateway Beyond. And this year, We have a giving target of 1.2 million, which may sound huge, which may sound extravagant, which may sound impossible, but as a multi-campus church, and as everyone gives according to their means, we have the capacity to reach that. Now our heart is to be God's church in more places, so that more people can hear the message of Jesus, and so more families can be redeemed more communities restored, and more nations transformed. Today, we can make an impact in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, I'm going to pray. And then after I've prayed, um, I'm going to... Now, let me, just, let me just back up a second. Around the church, and the seats in front of you, you'll see the uh, Gateway Beyond Giving card. Uh, If you haven't yet taken one and filled it out, we're just going to give you a minute uh, to do that this morning. Uh, Our welcome team have got some pens. Uh, The music team are going to continue providing some sweet tunes uh, in the background. Uh, We're just going to give you a minute. You, You can pray for what we're about to do. If you need to fill out a card, you'll have some time to do that. If you've already got your card filled out, just sit there nice and patiently for a minute And if you've already given to Gateway Beyond, that's cool. We just ask you to join us prayerfully as well. Uh, But if you want a pen, just put your hand up right now and uh, our team will make their way around and give you that pen. And then uh, I will pray. And after I've prayed, I'm going to invite you all to come and uh, place your commitment cards in the buckets. And then if you want someone to pray over you about the impact you can have on someone that you live, work and laugh with, uh, there'll be prayer team members Um, Located up the front here as well. So uh, take a minute, pray, complete your card, grab your card out if you've brought it ready to give today, and then uh, I will come back, pray, and then we will commit to what God is doing this year. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family, and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.